Hey there, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out and swinging by and uh, chilling with us today on Todd Versations. We're thrilled you're here. We have an amazing topic we're going to talk about today with an amazing guest. This is something that I think we need to get a lot closer to our heart and we need to elevate this conversation. It's a topic of bees. It's a topic of honey. It's a topic about the global environment that honey lives in. Uh, we're going to tackle a whole bunch of subjects today. I've got an expert here that's building a brand that is the coolest thing cooking out there today. I'm so stoked that he's here with us. Please, everybody give it up for the founder of Pasta Honey, Douglas Raggio. Dude, welcome. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled you're here, man. I really an intro. <laughs> I try. You know what? I, if I figure if I, if I open up big and I fail, hey, you got something out of it in the beginning. You'll remember that, right? Nailed. This is such an amazing topic. You know, you and I have connected and talked about some different ideas and back and forth a little bit and you know, it got me a little bit more involved. And we were talking about this this morning before we started recording the show. It's like, you know, I think the vast majority of people probably have a toe in the water. Maybe, like I said, the first or second step of the pool. But I don't think we're as deep in the water as we need to be about understanding the issue of bees and what it means on a global scale. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But before we do that, we get into kind of who you are and what's going on with uh, Pass the Honey. I want to give people some, some idea of the magnitude of the issue that we have on a global scale. And according to the Dorset Wildlife Trust, reports that 41% of insects are threatened with extinction today. Insect extinction, you cannot say that fast three times either, is happening eight times faster than vertebrates on this planet. Without insects, we're screwed. I mean, it is a major, major topic of concern and consideration. So I'm excited to have you here today. I'm excited to get into this. I know we're going to have a great conversation. And then again, I love what you guys are doing and what you're about and why you're doing it. So before we get going, though, would you give everybody just a quick little bio and a little intro to who you are and, uh, you know, how I yeah. roped you into hanging out today? <laughs> Hardly roped. Uh, yeah, name's Douglas Raggio. I'm the founder of Pass the Honey. I've been in food and bev, predominantly the, the consumer packaged side, for almost a decade and a half. And just now in the last six to eight months, getting my bearings in produce, it took me a while to realize that we're a commodity as honeycomb. We're like, a, we're a cut pack operation. We're not a right. processed liquid or we're not a processed bar. So yeah, it's just, it's a fundamental shift in thinking and it makes sense with the supply chain work we do and the sourcing strategy and the testing we have to do. And yeah, it's a, I'm bringing everything I've done in my past from, PR and marketing to athlete management to talent representation to owning a superfoods company to running a venture fund in food and bev to running a private equity group in food and bev and now we're playing and you know really tackling global honey fraud yeah and, and to an unadulterated format to consumers well and that's the topic I'm going to get into we're going to get into deep in that because I don't think people are going to realize how big fraud is in the honey business today it is staggering when we get into people are going to be floored by this staggering for people to realize. And America has a love for honey. I mean, if you take a look yeah. at what honey sales have done over the past 20 years, what America loves honey. The world loves honey. It is super unfortunate. Honey consumption is fourfold and honey yeah. production is declining at 20% annually, which yeah, is where that Delta is fraud. Correct. In fact, I, you know, when you, when you look at that, I was looking and it's like the overall honey production has dropped 126 million pounds over the last year according to research. Yeah. And what's interesting is that, yeah, in one year. And what's interesting is, is that the result of the, of the drop in honey uh, yield per colony is the same number of bees are just significantly, basically significantly producing less honey at the same time. And the bees are dying even at a faster rate. It's a really scary thing. 
So I want to get into all that. I'm going to go deep because I just, this is such a fascinating topic. And more importantly, your product, when people try this, they're going to be blown away. This stuff is like a staple in the house. I love this stuff. It's addicting. It's all let, me, let me run something by you real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Liquid honey is the third most fraudulent food on the, on the planet. That is 70% of all liquid honey at retail has been adulterated. It yeah. doesn't even contain pollen. So when you taste honey in a honeycomb, there's a chance that most Americans have never tasted real honey. 100% much fraud, which is where we get comments like yours, which is like, I've never tasted anything like this before. Well, it's, it's like, yeah, there's rampant fraud in your liquid honey. And so yeah. you get it from a honeycomb and that's why it tastes different. Like that's what real honey tastes like. Well, yeah, yeah you're hundred percent. And I'm telling you, people are going to, it's, this stuff is legit as all get out. I'm telling you, it's awesome. How big of an issue really is bee health though in the United States at this point? Bee health and honey is a disaster. Like the more, the more we pull a thread, the more ill will and fraud and poor beekeeping practices and poor beekeeper economics. You know, we have three pillars to our business. One is mm -hmm. honey health because they pollinate two thirds of the global food supply, which makes right. them important. We have beekeeper livelihoods because without the beekeepers, we don't have the bees to pollinate. Like, so beekeeper livelihoods is vitally important equals, right. you know, to the honeybee health. And then we have healthy ecosystems where we went above and beyond organic standards because there are no organic standards in honey as a, you know, by the USDA's national organic program literally says there are no standards for honey. There's a sentence. No. So we had to go above and beyond and we're establishing regenerative, you know, AP culture um, practices right. and standards. And we use this crazy off the charts testing. So it's honeybee health, beekeeper livelihoods and healthy ecosystems. Well, all three are fantastic pillars to be working with on this subject. Yeah, they work you together. Know, when I looked at some of the scientific reviews in 19, in 2019, there was a scientific review that estimated 40% of all the bee species are in decline. Yeah. That's just crazy. Two thirds of our food with pollinators. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, honeybees, honeybees in particular, because we have a monocrop yeah. system here in the United States predominantly. And so and, and, finding native species and honeybees and managed hives versus native species and how they core, you know, correlate. We, we have a million acres of research land and yeah. we had to find that million by looking at 13 million first to make sure it was removed from agricultural uses, make sure it wasn't downwind from any pesticide spray. And then there was access roads consideration. So 13 million we looked at and we dwindled it down to about a million acres we can actually do real research on with groups like UC Davis to understand like what's it what's happening to honeybees when you remove them from the, the kind of shitty system of yeah. pollination services. Well, and, and honey just, yields, it's, it's yeah. staggering. It's staggering. Well, and, and honey yields in California alone down 23%, right? And as this drought, yeah. as this drought continues, which is obviously going to at this point i'm not seeing an arc floating by or driving by or parked in the marina um as the wildflower because we don't have rain that puts pressure on the wildflowers that don't exist anymore which puts further pressure on the bee colonies you know above and beyond what they do just for agriculture so i mean this problem is just not going to go away so let's get into this i'm let's go deep let's get everybody framed up a little bit about you know the, the hundred dollar question what is past the honey past the honey is individually portioned regeneratively sourced Honeycomb. If you've yeah. ever had honeycomb, it's the source of liquid honey. Um, we spent many years sourcing the cleanest honeycomb in the world, and we spent time defining how to cut and pack it so it's you know conveniently portioned and less mess and portable. And yeah. It turned in, it, it's a cute little honeycomb, but we use this analogy of an iceberg. 
People see the cute little cut honeycomb, but they don't see that we set regenerative standards globally with UC Davis. They don't see our million acres of research. They don't see our commitment to beekeepers. They don't see our premium wages paid to beekeepers. They don't see the nuclear magnetic resonance testing we have to do to validate that it's actually being from sourced from the regions we're being sourced from. Like there's all this work and it turns into really a supply chain. We're a vertically integrated organization, quickly becoming it. fully vertic vertically integrated. I love it. And you guys call it snacking honey, which is a very unique term, right? I mean, it's not a term yeah. we think of, you know, snacking carrot. We think of a snacking cookie, whatever it might be, but this is snacking honey. So talk a little bit about how you use snacking honey, you know, how a consumer would use it, you know, whether you have kids snacks or, you know, it's obviously a great diabetic snack. There's no post-workout. I mean, there's got some great post-workout stuff. Just a broad question. Just give everybody a little update on what snacking honey is all about. <laughs> snacking honey, we started this company looking at demographics and benefits and uses, and it, it works to little degrees. But if you think of it as a banana, like, again, we are a, we are a commodity, right? We are the source where the, the actual agricultural good in which liquid honey is derived from. So snacking honey can be used, just snack it directly. Most of our consumers just eat it, you know, with their fingers. That's what I do. Spoon. That's what I do. And uh, you can smear it on toast. You can pair it with charcuterie. You can put it in granola, yogurts. Um, the more you look at it as like a banana, you, know, you can use it before workouts. You can use it after workouts. We have a large type one diabetic community because it has a different glycemic index and metabolizes differently with the wax. So they can manage lows better and not have to run to get a meal, you know, and not have to push Snickers in their mouth. Um, we have doomsday preppers because it doesn't expire. So they, you know, stock their bunkers. It's nutritionally dense. We have a spiritual community um, that because of the divinity of the bees and the sacred geometry of the hexagon. This thing has gone more places than I've ever, ever would have imagined. And again, I was looking at it like an energy bar for the first year or two. Right. It's not. It's a commodity. It's a broad uses, broad demographics. Yeah. How many, how can you use a banana, Todd? A bunch of ways. A gazillion who, ways. Who eats a banana? A bunch of people. Yeah. No, that's so, why it's up there. Yeah. No, 100%. And it's interesting too because. You know, you guys are taking a unique approach because you're trying, you know, honey and produce is not necessarily the, your average arena, right? Honey's in the center and it's over by the peanut butter. And, you know, you guys are coming down on a different, you know, different path. I mean, not only are you guys obviously into the deli type section for the charcuterie like you just brought up, but I mean, it's a valuable tool in the produce department. Can you touch on that just real quick and, and why that matters? Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Karen Nardotza, President and CEO of Moxie Marketing. On behalf of all the Moxers worldwide, thanks for listening to Toddversations and Toddbits. At Moxie, we're known for strategic marketing and PR, unique branding and packaging, award-winning web and graphic design, and trade show experiences that generate results. Whether you're selling B2B or B2C, a farmer, processor, commodity board, retailer, food service, or somewhere else on the supply chain, we make it easier to grow your brand and your business. From avocados to zucchini and petunias to protein, we help you tell your story, stand out, and achieve your goals. Get Moxie, and together we'll celebrate your success. It matters because our, our commitment to regenerative agriculture and our regenerative, you know, our commitment to regenerative apiculture in particular, mm -hmm. the roles that bees play in our food system, you know, the consumer's aware of regenerative in the produce set more so than other parts of the store. Right. So there's that, like that's what the customer's looking for that, that claim. They're willing to pay a premium for that claim. 
But more importantly, you wouldn't merchandise apples with apple juice, right? We are the source of liquid honey. Liquid honey is a processed food item. Right. It's heated, it's blended, it's jarred. Um, we are not. We are a cut pack operation. And that's what makes us the actual commodity, the actual you know, raw ingredient. So our primary distribution is Melissa's and Indie Fruit Company. Right. So we use those to leverage the produce set. Um, for a produce buyer, we're a huge ring. We have huge consumption. We're seeing about 100, 100 units per store per week. Um, and we don't expire. Right. So to have a, no, no shrink, to have huge turn with a good penny profit, and then our marketing support, you're probably not going to get you know, a national spelling bee sponsor, which we are, promoting community engagement and spelling bee activations at the store level from your local honey producers. So no. there's all these different layers of marketing support, consumer education, unique and novel. Let's not discredit you know, that it is new. People haven't seen conveniently portioned honeycomb. Most consumers don't even know what honeycomb is. So to have it in a convenient portion encourages trial. Um, so yeah, I, I like produce more than I like grocery personally. Yeah. Well, it I makes a lot. Yeah, I agree. The logic makes total sense. You know, if I can be candid, there's a Please. lot of sizzle and noise in the consumer goods in the center store. There's a lot of people beating their chest, making claims. They say authenticity, they say integrity. I've seen more authenticity and integrity working in produce the last six months than I've seen in over a decade in the consumer goods. Well said. Yeah. Like it is just a different, like it's real. Get work done. No BS. Like you're moving the product. Here's the benefits for you. Here's the benefits for me. Here's the support I'm going to give you. It's not a popularity contest, which is really what the, the center store has become. Well, there's so, no two ways about it. I mean, brands, brands spend a lot of money to find existence and, you know, in produce, you have a finite window to be relevant, right? I mean, from the time yeah. you plug, you pick it, you pack it, you ship it, you put it on the, you know, the shelf, you get it to the consumer. It's a very small window to be good. And I think it's everybody no, has that no, sense, of, no sense of pride. Yeah, exactly. There's a sense of pride. There's a, there's a humility as well, because you're also beholden to, you know, nature. Yeah. Where there's a lot of arrogance in the consumer goods space from a lot of money being thrown into it, which I contributed to, you know, a decade ago. So guilty as charged, but no longer want to participate in that type of just be the loudest in the room and get a ton of doors. Like, no, like we have a real product, a real purpose, and we have right. a real value to the buyer and the retailer, and we have a real value to the customer. Yeah, so 100%. let's just do the work. And that's where I find that personally in my alignment more is produce than it is the consumer good side. No, it, to it makes total sense to me. You know, one of the things you guys say, and I love this on your website, you call it absurdly good. I think that's just a great, that's a great tag. It's a great tagline. You know, you call it absurdly, absurdly good. I can't even say it, absurdly good for humans, for bees and for beekeepers and for the ecosystem. I know we touched on a little bit in the opening, but I want to come back around to it because I think what you guys do to, to lift up all of those is tremendous. So I'd just like you to give you a, another second to kind of dive a touch deeper if you wouldn't mind, because I think it's important that people understand the mission, the value, the pillars, you know, where you're coming from, because you really are wearing this brand on your heart, you know, coming from your heart and on your shirt sleeve. I mean, it's a big deal. This is not just a fly by night to your point. This isn't, you know, throwing gazillions of dollars at the CPG trying to fight for that extra shelf space, right? This is a legitimate project that has such great tentacles to, to make positive change. So touch on that if you wouldn't mind for me. The, and thank you for making that bridge. Honeycomb is unique in the sense that it is untouched by man or machine. The honeycomb and the honey in that cell in the comb was produced by a bee from a flower. Like, I don't know how much closer you can get to nature. Like berries are washed, carrots are tumbled. Like, you know, there's these other things where that honey in there is, is pure and like as pure right. as you can get. 
So, and then honeycomb and the beehive itself has this unique situation where it's a two foot square, but yeah. it has a six mile radius of ecological benefit where it's pollinating and creating ecological diversity. So when people ask about our sourcing, I need the purest or the most diverse ecosystems with the best tended honeybees to get the best honeycomb. Like it is symbiotic. I'm not trying to steal from Peter to pay Paul here. Like I just need really good ecosystem. I need great beekeeping practices. And then that's all, let the bees do the work. You know, we get asked every week online, Todd, how do you get the honey in there? Which is just mind boggling to me. I'm not sure how to answer without coming off as just like, you know, really rude, but we just let the bees do their thing. We give them the best space and we give them the absolute best standards we can. And that's it. It's a very, and again, to have that two foot box that has a six mile radius of positivity is you can't get that with livestock grazing. You can't get that with, you know, row cropping. So it's super unique. Like honeycomb as a product is just this anomaly that I've, again, I've never seen anything like it and I'm lucky to be working in it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I want to get in, let's get into some of these issues, right? I I mean, I'm just, I'm itching to dive into this because I think, again, I think people have a toe in the water. I think, I think people are going to be shocked by the end of these, this next frame up of several questions I'm going to throw at you. The first one that floored me when you told me this, and I, and I hope it floors everybody else and we get a wake up call. Explain to me why beekeepers wouldn't sell you honeycomb to start with, why it took, why it took you putting on your detective gear and you're, you know, out uh, kicking, kicking clods and trying to figure this thing out. Yeah. I thought it'd be way easier to source clean honey in the United States. We could not find a commercial, so a large scale honey producer in the United States that would sell us honeycomb because they were well aware of the pesticide accumulation in the wax. Most commercial beekeepers in the United States are financially dependent on what's called pollination services. Honey is no longer a viable income stream. So what they do is they essentially become truck drivers and they truck their bees around the United States and they pollinate monocrops, which in turns, you know, the bees pick up pesticides that are used around the United States and it goes in the honey and it goes in the wax. Now, once the beekeeper comes home, they can actually blend out the impurities, which is one form of adulteration in honey. And then they'll sell the liquid off to an aggregator. But the wax, you can't, you can't blend it out. It's in there. So we had to do it. We spent about a year and a half searching the world to find where we could source honeycomb that didn't come hot for pesticides, antibiotics, glyphosate, or sugar water feeding, which is another form where if a beekeeper's primary income is pollinating monocrops and honey is no longer the concern, they'll just feed their bees sugar water to keep them alive to pollinate monocrops. Honey's not the actual income anymore. So wow. There's all these layers. We mentioned earlier, like it's honey is a disaster. It's there's fraud coming in, fraud going out, fraud on the backside. It's the fifth way to launder money globally. Like I just, there's these things that you're just like, what in the world is going on? It shouldn't be that, that messed up. No. Yeah. That when I, when I couldn't get a honey, a honey producer in the U S to sell us honeycomb at scale, it was one of those things. Well, why not? And then that's what started this path of, we say we're reclaiming honey. By using that's honeycomb. unreal to bring an item to market that is unadulterated that's regeneratively sourced that's conveniently formatted encouraging trial by consumers yeah. placing it in produce where they're looking for this type of you know purpose mission and value and taste and quality and trust um 
yeah, it gives us an opportunity to reinvest in the supply chain and really change economics for beekeepers too. We pay a premium for honeycomb to then educate the producers on regenerative standards and practices. So we're doing a lot, you know, for a little two, three person company, we're lifting a lot. And it's been yeah. four years, like it's taken us four years to get to this point to actually launch retail because right. of all the supply chain work we had to set up because there's so much fraud and so much, you know, poor business practices, beekeeping practices. Unbelievable. So how, did, so how did you manage to find it? You know, I mean, how'd you solve it? How'd you find a clean supply? We worked with a regenerative consultancy and then randomly, you know, luck as most things happen, a friend of mine owned a, a French cafe and they were importing honeycomb. And so we got their importer and that kind of led us down another path and we found it. And then we test it using that nuclear magnetic resonance, which is like an MRI for food. To sure. validate there's no adulteration and there's no uh, pesticides, antibiotics, and glyphosate. But uh, yeah, we just lucked out. We end up sourcing in Turkey. And we have secondary sources in Hungary we're developing. And then we have actually a North American source we're developing as well. So but nothing, but we're co- we are working towards developing clean honey in America. Yeah. We're about 18 months, 24 months away from having the first fully independent regenerative source of honeycomb and liquid honey and wax in North America. And that's, that's, that's what that I'm just working on every day now. Even makes sense. It's, it's like we're 2022 and then you just made a statement. It's like, yeah. who didn't think that didn't exist? But it's there, but, me? but, but it's not, clean. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, exactly. You now, me now too. But I mean, and, and to find something that's clean. So it's coming from Turkey. So it, it's, you know, the, the issue that you're solving, right? You're, you're building a business, but you're solving this grandiose issue. And I think what's so amazing to me is that as you've been growing this business, and I don't, and I mean this with all respect, you didn't see any of this coming. Like you just, it, it's, it's like all these problems just started growing and, and showing themselves to you. And you've been finding solutions along the way, which is unbelievable to me. So when you're getting your turkey or you're getting your honey from Turkey, how, I know, how does it kind of work? I mean, is it, you fly this stuff over? Is it, how does, how does it get over? Is it boat over? It's boated. Boated, yeah. I mean, honeycomb doesn't expire, so we don't right. have an expiration concern. Um, and then as long as it isn't super hot, we do have a melting temp of 140 degrees, but... Yeah, I'd imagine if the boat gets to 143, they got bigger issues than honey on there too. Yeah, we're not doing that. Throwing our arms up in the air. Yeah, I would think it's like, oh crap, it's a tad warm on here. Nobody's on the Lido deck at 143. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get it. You know, it, it, it again. It's just amazing to me when you, you think about all these things that we're touching on today. You know, again, not being able to source clean honeycomb at a commercial scale in the United States. Um, having to go, you know, overseas like you're doing, but working diligently, which we're going to get into your regenerative honeycomb uh, initiative here in a second. But I got to get into this issue of fraud because it is seventy percent of the honey is basically what we're talking about that has some in some way can be you know fraudulent. And it's the and what's amazing to me, it's number five on the hit list for money laundering, honey business. Yeah. The honey business, money laundry. I mean, I can think of the Godfather with the olive oil. Like, okay, I could see that, but now we're talking honey. Well, olive oil is number one. Yeah, I know it is. Fraud. Well, yeah. So they had a head start. Yeah, <laughs> it is crazy. So, how big is fraud in the honey business? I mean, you know, globally. Well, globally, seventy percent of all liquid honey has been adulterated in right. some manner, and that's the fraud. So, talk a little um, bit about. So, you can add, you can add additives. Sugars. Predominantly, it, it's blending um, and heating. So blending, so you'll take one barrel of pure honey and you'll blend in corn syrup, rice syrup, any other type of processed syrup or sugar. And then you obviously cut it in and then you quadruple, if not tenfold your yield. It's They cut it like drugs. 
Um, the other is once that happens, they'll heat it and then it muddies the sources. So traditional testing equipment can't tell the difference. Um, that's why we had to go to these extreme lengths of nuclear magnetic resonance, um, which is the highest level of food testing you can possibly get um, currently. And it's not right. cheap. Um, so the other forms of adulteration is the sugar water feeding. So you're getting a fraudulent input. Um, so it's not pollen produced honey. So you're lacking the nutritional density. Right. Yeah. So that's like the sugar water feeding is a function of beekeeper livelihoods, you know, giving not being because honey fraud has caused so much downward pressure on the price right. of liquid honey that beekeepers can't make money on honey. So that's when then the, then the pollination services comes in and that's how they're you know sustaining themselves as a livelihood. But pollination services is poor beekeeping practices and is detrimental to hive health. So it's like, how do you, you know, re-educate beekeepers? One, make the consumer aware that honey fraud's a thing. Right. Many consumers don't know this. Then they don't know what honeycomb is or how to use it. So like we have to educate on all these levels to finally just say, no, we're just, we're just honeycomb. We're just what, we're what bees do. Like it, it is right. a simple product, but incredibly complex to bring it to market. More complex than I ever would have imagined. I wouldn't have done it if I would have done it. So if with the technology, I want to come back to this with, with, with the, with the technologies that you talked about being able to look at, you know, kind of the DNA of what honey is, if these guys mess with the honey, you know, they add a little sprash of this, a little sprig of that, whatever it might be. That actually affects the ability to, to even fully understand or be transparent to what this honey even is at that point. Explain the question again. Well, I mean, if, if, if they're adding things into the, into the pure honey and they're all, you know, they're, they're what the fraud is kind of the basis of all that, if we get to a better word, um, you really can't go back once they do that and really figure out the genesis of the honey. It, it, I mean, they've yeah. altered, right. So they've altered. So if you want to fact find, if you want to really know the source of your food, that's not going to happen at that point. That's where I'm, that's where I was the trying only, to get to. The only honey I can trust personally, like I work in honey. The only honey I trust is from a cult because you know, it hasn't been heated. You know, it hasn't been boiled. But most liquid honeys are coming from five to 10 different sources, right? Now. Like it's this huge blending operations. Wow. So you're not getting any sort of nutritional benefits um, from any specific region. And then the fact that there's processed sugars in it is negating it. So yeah, there's an irony that honeycomb is so nutritionally dense or honey. Right. right. But yet it's so fraudulent that the consumer is not getting nutritional density, which is really where I started. This is kind of how I started the company was. I was making honey lemon ginger teas and I was putting, and I was trying to heal myself because I was getting sick. I was putting liquid honey in and I knew liquid honey was fraudulent. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, here I'm trying to get healthy and I'm putting this garbage, you know, highly suspect item. Why don't I just put the honeycomb in? Cause that way I know it's not been heated or blended. But right. then if you ever bought honeycomb, it's like in this big brick and it, it brought ants into the house. And then I put it in the fridge and it was you know inedible after it went into the fridge. Cause it was like a brick. Yeah. And that's kind of where it was like, well, why, not, why isn't the honeycomb just in a convenient format? Right. Well, and that was what started the whole process was knowing I was putting fraudulent liquid into my system, trying to get healthy. Sure. One of the nutritional benefits. And then the mess of an inconvenience of honeycomb, oh, even yeah. though it was the purest form. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's mind, it's mind blowing to me to, to think about fraud in such, in such an important, I mean, I guess fraud's everywhere in our world today, but in a lot of ways, but in something so important as insect health, bees, food supply, uh, our own personal health. It's just mind blowing to me to think of the stats that you've thrown out, 70%, number five on the money laundering. Sad. List. I, it's sad. It's so just, sad. I, I think people are going to be blown away by this. I think people are going to take a real hard look 
in their own pantries and go, what the hell is this actually? And maybe it's time for me to send an email and ask that question a little bit deeper of the manufacturers. Well, talk a, a little bit. Of- will come back to us and they'll say, uh-huh. well, I only buy the expensive honey. And it's like, well, expensive honey is even more questionable than the cheap honey. Cause if you're a fraudster, you're not going to knock off cheap honey. You're going to knock off the expensive stuff. So for example, Manuka honey gets a lot of exposure. Yeah. Trader Joe's sells more Manuka honey itself, one retailer, than is exported annually out of New Zealand. So where does the rest of the volumes come? How does Costco have Manuka honey? How does 7-Eleven you know, have Manuka honey? So it's like there's a math equation all of a sudden where you have this high dollar you know, honey that has all these nutritional benefits, but it's also even more fraudulent because it's a high ticket item. So... Well, it's just because, it's everywhere well, you turn, there's some sort of roadblock or lack of education. And that's why being a simple or individually portioned cut of honeycomb. And it shouldn't right. be that hard to sell it to the consumer. But once they taste it, they get it. Like you, you had one bite and you're like, okay, I get it. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I, this is, it's, it's, if you've never had this, it will change. It'll, it will 100% change your opinion on whatever honey's in your house today. Guaranteed. Love it. Guaranteed. Uh, it, it is, it is it's amazing. I mean, it's just really, and I, and I think probably too, some of it is because I'm, I've got deep into it and, I, and I'm getting what you're saying. We've talked about all these things we're covering here on the broadcast. So I think maybe my senses are a little more elevated when I start to go, Jesus Christ, this is just crazy. We're not living like this yeah. every day. It's just nuts. Let's talk about organic honey a little bit uh, because there are no standards or the, for, or the lack thereof yes. or lack. Well, yeah, I was, trying, yeah, I was trying to be kind, uh, you know, but there are no organic standards for honey. Why do you think that is? Well, you can't qualify the six mile radius that a bee flies. Right. And there's also pesticide drift. So, right. you know, the fact we looked at 13 million acres and then had to identify what was adjacent to industrial agricultural inputs, AKA pesticides. And then what was downwind, it just immediately takes a whole bunch of acreage off the table. So yeah, it's amazing to think that they are looking at it from that six mile radius. It's amazing to well, think that all, we'd have to control organic practices are based on crop. So the NOP, the National Organic Program, is from the USDA, is based on crop practices. Bees aren't a crop; they're livestock, technically. So right. it's like that. It doesn't it just doesn't fit the box. Um, well, and they're and they're so an uncontrolled livestock, right? Yeah, where, where, exactly. where a cow, you know, you know where, yeah, you know where a cow is. It's it's over there. Yeah. But a bee, I mean, you could have a bee that started, you know, in my neighborhood and. It could be two zip codes over and swing back home, or you know, after it's done. Two farms over could be spraying and the wind could come over and all of a sudden, boom, you've got it, you know, in your, in your flowers. So are, it's, are you, uh, it's yeah, it's amazing. It's a tough one. And I don't think we're ever going to see it happen unless I don't see how we're ever going to find ourselves finding, you know, truly getting organic honey. I just don't, yeah, you know, I don't what, know. What, what, I don't either. We what, have a lot of acreage. Guys, maybe you can. I mean, you know, but it'd be tough. It'd be a worthy project. Are you guys doing anything to remedy the issue? Are you, you, you kicking it around? We went above and beyond organic and we defined what regenerative right. AP culture, which AP culture is beekeeping. So we right. worked with UC Davis and we developed a whole continuum on standards and practices and testing protocols for what we consider regenerative honeycomb or honey. Right. Um, which is the, which is your honeycomb Let's get into it. Yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. So so we have the regenerative honeycomb initiative, which is our effort to produce and source regenerative comb in the United States. And that's an acreage. So we work with landowners, we work with academic institutions, we work with other stakeholders. So other people and consumer brands that are using liquid honey or the wax, um, that's beverages, bars, cosmetics. So retailers as well. Um, people are starting to understand that 
pollinators are vital and the honeybees in particular uh, are vital to 70% of the food we eat. So that, that is an effort to stabilize beekeeping and honeybee health in the United States. And it starts with a million acres. Our goal is 7 million acres. We're working with indigenous nations. We're working with large timber landowners, trying to find kind of marginalized communities as well to bring skills and income to those groups uh, to produce honey. So again, that, that weird two foot, like we can produce honey in the swamps of, Miss, of, of Mississippi. We can put yeah. it on a barge and we can still pollinate where you can't put a, you know, livestock in the swamps. You can't do row cropping in the swamps. So we have a little bit of flexibility in the sense that bees fly so we can produce in different manners. Right. Right. I love it. So how's the initiative work? I mean, give me, you know, what is kind of what's your goal and, and, you know, obviously you want to get to your 7 million, you're going to have to probably go through 50 million to get to, to get to seven yeah. at this rate. You know, I mean, really, honestly, if, let's say yeah, 50 million, acre, you know, million acres is a lot of ground, you know, your oh, biggest, yeah. I mean, your biggest farmers, just for example, you know, and I'm, I'll get the number fairly close. Your biggest farmers in California that are doing, you know, veg, fruit, vegetable, there may be a little over a hundred thousand acres. Yep. Right. And that's the big boys. So you can imagine yeah. what a million's got to be. That's a big, big chunk of land. So how does the process work? I mean, how does this initiative come about? Just kind of give us your, your goals, I think, at the end. With what I'd like to hear is, you know, where, where do you want to see this go to? The end game is to produce regenerative honeycomb in the United States. Um, right. And stabilize beekeeper livelihoods. But the stage is to get there. We have a three-year research cycle. So it's understanding, you know, when we put a hive on a parcel of land, what the benefits of managed hives and native species, how they interact, where they compete, where they don't compete. So we don't wanna throw off the ecosystem, right? So if you introduce a managed, a managed hive into a native ecosystem, there are native pollinators you have to consider. So first is just where those, where those interact and how they interact. And then what do those two do from an ecological diversity perspective? You know, are we regenerating landscapes? Are we healing the, you know, the, the earth? Um, and then, you know, what does the honey taste like? If it's all pine and it doesn't taste good, then we're, we're not doing much for our production, but we are doing something to heal the earth. Right. So one of the other kind of tangent uh, research projects we're doing is one of our partners, our landowner partners, lost about 100,000 acres in a forest fire recently mm-hmm. and actually placing hives along the fire line to pull living forest into the actual burnt forest and then identifying through our nuclear magnetic resonance testing what pioneer species of forage come back first to help to regenerate the landscape quicker. Wow. So there's all these different funky things that'll, that we're able to do. And that's why we have UC Davis involved. That's why we have you know, MIT, NASA involved in our research component. They all have different kind of ideas as to how they want to understand honeybees in particular. And we are the that's... only ones that have this like this kind of large parcel of land that isn't part of the pollination services system. It's kind of shitty business system. You know, it, it is amazing to me to hear another story about Mother Nature and the importance of protecting her, right? And we, we do so much. I say it all the time, and I believe it wholeheartedly. You know, we have to work with Mother Nature, not against her. We're never going to be here. Yeah. So we have to stop acting like it, right? We try to alter. We try to do things. We try to cut corners. We try to edit, splice, dice, whatever the hell you want to call it. And at the end of the day, she's always going to win. And um, she has a bigger plan than we can conceive of. Uh, she's been doing it a long time. She's probably, the, yeah. she's probably, Mother Nature's probably the most seasoned employee on the planet today, right? She's been doing it a lot longer than anybody else has been standing here. And, you know, it, it's amazing to me how hard we have to work to 
work with her sometimes. You know, I mean, the, the, the roadmap has already been laid out. The bees are on this planet for a reason. The bees are, have a purpose like every other insect. You know, we yeah. think about insect extinction. And we don't think we realize that if we lose the insects, we're right behind them, folks. <laughs> it's how this is going to play out. And it's so important that we lean back into this. But when you talk about, you know, putting putting hives on the, on, on the front line of a, of a fire, you know, after the fact to see what ends up happening, that's what Mother Nature did yeah. forever, right? And to be able to give it a little bit of a boost. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Leg up if we can. But then obviously monitoring to make sure we're not screwing things up. And that's yeah. what it all comes back to intention, right? Like it bothers me back to our CPG conversation of all the noise. Sure. Like, oh, sure. you know, we're the best bar, we're the best this. You know, the, the work we're doing, we're four years in. I don't have any intention to sign this company. I'll say it here, I've said it, said it elsewhere. This is a long, a long journey. And it's about being intentional with what we do. Like we have to be aware of the potential positives and negatives and make the best decisions we can. Um, and if we can't produce honey on this acreage, we can't produce honey on this acreage, which is totally fine. Like I'm okay with that outcome. Right. Um, Cause there are other places to produce, but I think it's a, val- you know, a valuable endeavor to explore. And if we can find other partners that have ancillary benefits, such as rehabilitating you know, fire ravaged landscape, you know, that's a cool one. So yeah. I don't know, the, the work's boring. It's long. But no, I don't think the work's boring, dude. I won't, I won't let you. I won't <laughs> let you get away with that. I don't think it. Look, the, look, you're you're, you're walking a path that it nobody doesn't else make is a walking. good TikTok. Let's just say that. I don't make a good TikTok, so I can relate to that. But you know, at <laughs> the end of the day, you're you're walking a path that not many folks are walking. You're walking a path that folks have decided it's too complicated to walk, so we're going to cheat our way yeah, around it. I agree, right? And you know, you're in for the long game, which is com- completely respectable. Which is why I dig this brand so much. Which is why you know hooking up with you and getting you on this broadcast to tell this message is so important to me um, and to our team here, because it is mind boggling um, that we're even having this conversation in some ways. I mean, I'm glad that we are, and I'm glad it's you, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, some of these things are just, when we sit back and go, God, I didn't know that was happening, man, we just can't be complacent anymore when it comes to our food system and our planet. It's going to kick our ass and it's doing it now. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Karen Nardotza, president and CEO of Moxie Marketing. On behalf of all the Moxers worldwide, thanks for listening to Todd Versations and Todd Bits. At Moxie, we're known for strategic marketing and PR, unique branding and packaging, award-winning web and graphic design, and trade show experiences that generate results. Whether you're selling B2B or B2C, a farmer, processor, commodity board, retailer, food service, or somewhere else on the supply chain, we make it easier to grow your brand and your business. From avocados to zucchini and petunias to protein, we help you tell your story, stand out, and achieve your goals. Get Moxie, and together we'll celebrate your success. There's a complacency conversation around, you're 100% correct, that it's too difficult, it's too complex. And how do I explain this to potential investors, right? Like it just, there's a lot, we're a vertically integrated global commodity. Like that's, that's what we are. And we have all these other little tangents, but the lift I'm hoping with your audience is that we consistently get railroaded into grocery buyers because they, they yeah. hear honey and they think liquid. And everything we're doing, we're talking about here is that we are not liquid. Liquid is the problem. That honey bear is the bastard that caused all this. He's, you know, edgy. The honey bear has taught the consumer 
that honey should be cheap and right. real nutritional value in honey isn't cheap. It comes at, and now that cheap honey has its own cost, which is declining populations, pushing beekeepers out of business. So my hope here with you know, conversations is that we'll get the grocery buyers under, or produce buyers to understand like, this is not a, like, this is not a grocery item. Back to my original statement, you wouldn't, yeah. produce, you wouldn't merchandise apples next to apple juice. Apple juice is the, is the processed byproduct of right. the actual commodity. Right. We are an agricultural good, a cut pack, no different from a berry, a carrot. So yeah. that's what I'm hoping and why we, why we're, you know, I'm, I'm stoked to be here with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But you're right. You know what, brother, I'll tell you right now, cheap has a hidden cost and we have to start Jeez. to recognize that whether it's yeah. our healthcare, no matter what it is, cheap has a hidden cost. And sure. it is dangerous when we don't look at stuff like that. It is dangerous when, you know, in my mind and, 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 and I'm, preach this from the pulpit as much as I possibly can. We have put too much energy into making food cheap at the expense of our health and our planet. I'm all about, and and this has nothing to do with economics. I got it. I'm I'm not arguing that point. My point is, is that we just cannot keep trying to take something and will it, you know, get it down to nothing and still call it the same thing that it should. It's just stupid, right? It's killing us. And, you know, your example of what you're talking about in, in the honey business is exactly to that point. You know, cheap has a hidden cost. And to your point about, you know, honey that's out there, the American consumer, we got to stop to ask questions. We're, like, we're not going to survive on a 79 cent box of mac and cheese on this world. We're just not. We, you know, yeah. we've got to find common sense because investing in our food is a positive cost, man. You know, it's what you're doing is a positive yeah. cost. If a, if a consumer knew that that cheap honey was essentially corn syrup and they might yeah. like they would never buy it, but they don't know. So well, they're going the to now. Of, yeah, part, well, part of it is they put a honeycomb in your mouth, and it tastes different because that's what real pollen-produced honey tastes right. like. Like that's yeah. the, honey is complex. It's very similar to wine in that sense. Yeah, or depending on where it comes from, it has terroir, it has flavor and taste and color varieties. Like honey should not be all the same color. It shouldn't taste all the same. <laughs> that's not that's not how nature works. So no, well, you've got they, you've got you know, four seasons. Yes. Well, and the consumer understands it in wine, but how do you bring wine to honey because we've had such this, you know, fraudulent landscape? And that's where, uh, ta-da, there you go. All right. But you bring this, what you, what you bring, how you bring, you know, honey to wine, you put this on the charcuterie plate when you're sitting out in the back porch having wine on a Saturday afternoon, and this will blow your mind, guaranteed. guaranteed. Let's talk a little bit, if we can, I want to talk about, um, you know, you're leading the charge in so many ways. I mean, you know, we've touched on them, we framed them up, we got people thinking, I guarantee people's heads are spinning a little bit. But, you know, you're working with uh, your regenerative uh, apiculture uh, working group. Talk about that and why that matters so much right now, because that's a big deal that you're doing. Yes. So part of the regenerative honeycomb initiative, or RHI, was it couldn't be just us. Like, I, we can't do this alone, nor do I intend to, right? So right. the working group is, is, a, is a, it's a venue. It's a way for other stakeholders to contribute to the conversation. Now, if that's academic institutions, if it's buyers of liquid honey, if it's buyers of wax, if it's landowner partners, um, if it's retailers, it's a way to get everyone around the table and say, how do we solve this problem for honey? Right. Um, now, we, we went and did our own internal Q&A and that's where we set the regenerative standards, but we also peer review them, right? Like we share it with the other group and say, is this on or off? Like, how are we doing? You know, how do we improve upon these apiculture standards? Um, how do we educate beekeepers to adopt these standards so we can buy our comb from them? Because a lot of beekeepers don't, adhere. 
we can't buy from a lot of beekeepers because that there's the sugar water feeding or, or right. the pollination services. Right. So it's like, how do you create that economic incentive for them? Well, that's where the working group comes together and it's a consulting, essentially a big buying co-op to say, right. look, if we can get beekeepers to produce to these standards and we can validate it using third party testing that it is regeneratively sourced and it meets these standards and practices, we now have a reason for beekeepers to adopt new standards and practices. So right. nothing happens in a vacuum, right? So that's was really like, I can build all the land use and all the supply chain as possible, but without a demand, it, there's really no reason for a beekeeper to adopt new practices. So how do people so, get involved? How do people get involved in the working group? I mean, I, I'm imagining that you've got beekeepers now that you've got, you know, let me back up. I'm going to start over. I imagine you got people calling you now going, holy shit, what are you up to? First off, yeah. how, how do we get involved? So how do people get involved with specifically with this working group? Go to the website. It's just regenerativeapiculture.org, I think. To Google it. Um, yeah, you just Google regenerative apiculture working group or regenerative honey working group. Either of those will pop up. And right. there's a sign-up form. And then we hold meetings once a month usually, and sometimes they're quarterly. And it just depends on, you know, it's just What's still up? forming. So it's, yeah, it's still forming. So we're getting our- Is it open to everybody? Open to everybody? Open to everybody. I mean, if a consumer wants yeah. to get on, if a mom, you know, yeah. a Facebook 100%. mom wants to get on there, folks, call, call to action. Let's go. Get involved, get better understanding. And, you know, because I believe this is a topic that needs to get down into the community level of understanding of, you know, what is your parent group doing? What is your PTA meeting talking about? Yeah, you're talking about some wild stuff. Is anybody talking about bee health? Is anybody teaching the kids about bees and the importance of what we got going on and why we can make a difference? I mean, I think it's incredibly impactful. Incredibly impactful. Educational programs. We're a sponsor of the National Spelling Bee on a regional basis. I'm trying to right. become a national sponsor. But educating students around pollinator, you know, pollinators, our food system, teaching them the words, that's a that's a campaign that I would love to see come together in the next two to three years. Well, I would too. Elementary schools. Dude, you got my anything we can do to help you do that? We're on board. I mean, there's a lot of great people that have been a part of this broadcast, people coming on this broadcast that haven't shown yet that are that are in the, you know, in the uh, in the wings and we'd love to put you in contact and start those conversations. Cause I firmly believe that if we're going to make a difference for this planet, two things, one of which we need to plant a whole lot of trees to work on uh, getting rid of some of these greenhouse gases. And two, we need to inform these kids what's really the truth yeah. is. And we need to change this conversation and for the better, cause I'm telling you, we may not see it so much, but we will see it if we invest in it now downstream with these kids, as we get these next generations coming up that are asking the tough questions like we're talking about today. Because I guarantee I could probably go up my street right now and knock on every door and ask people what they think, how much fraud's in the honey business, and people will not even come close to the right answer. They won't even have a ballpark clue about additives into honey. They'll just look at what they have, and if they have it, they have it. You know, it's nuts. It's just nuts. I love it's it. Well, honey yeah, is a it disaster. Is. It is a disaster. It really is. That's yeah. a, you, know, when you, you know, it's so funny because I think about that when you said it. The first time you and I talked, you actually said that. I'm like, you know, yeah, how, you know right? It's, and it's so like rough. now, and after her. Whatever it was, we got back and forth. It's like, holy shit, he's right. It is kind of a disaster. Yeah. This is a oh. mess. One of the things I want to make sure that people realize is that you've got the individual packets. You do stuff in food service. You've got retail caddies out there. You've got a myriad of stuff that people can work with. It's all on the website to see. Yep. You know, it's pretty transparent. So retailers, wholesalers, food service, get online, give Doug us a call, talk about Honey Hill. Talk because this is a great topic for the retailers to lean into. You want to talk about regenerative ag? You want to do something bigger and, and have a conversation that's uplifting to your consumers? 
let's go tackle this one. Well, Start that's here. also, I'm, I'm going to give you some extra firepower here. And anybody like I need it, it. I'm getting ready, hey, I'm getting ready <laughs> to eat this. I don't need any firepower. Um, anybody can email me at Douglas at Pass the Honey. Um, but the retail numbers on this thing, because it's something entirely new, people are curious and it, it is a beautiful product because it's, you can see it in the background, it's glistening. Um, we have no expiration. So for right. a produce buyer to take something that takes, you know, it's maybe like half a square foot. We do hundred units per store per week at our high, right. actually 180 at our highest retailer, but we're averaging about hundred units per week to have something that has that, that kind of velocity and a very large penny profit. Right. That's educating your consumers that doesn't expire. It's a game changer. hundred percent. It's a shrink buster essentially. Yeah. Well, and, and again, and I think, you know, you go for that impulse buy, you go for that change, you go for that snack, you go for something that's different. I love it in the pros department. Cause to your point, what, it goes we with also, everything. We also have a 60% returning customer. So it isn't just that impulse buy of like, that's cute. To your point, you, it's cute. I get it. We'll say, okay, that's interesting. Right. Let me try it. I'll take, a, yeah. I'll take a flyer on this thing. They taste it. It's like, whoa, what's that? The taste brings them back. Then usually they'll look us up and then they realize the purpose of the company. And that's what creates that lifetime customer. I mean, well, a 60% I, returning I, customer is insane. Yeah, for sure it is. I mean, that's not, I, who wouldn't, who wouldn't love that? Right. I, you know, <laughs> it's sticky. To, I, I like that. I like that. But you know, you said something I think is key and we haven't used the word yet today and I'm going to bring it back up is the word purpose. And that's what I see happening with you. That's what I taken from my path, walking with you a little bit, our journey, hanging out, talking a little bit together and, and spending time with you is even today is that you're on a purpose right now that's far greater than I think you even see it. Like you're on this purpose-driven path right now that okay. don't know where it's going to take you, but it's going to be far greater probably than what you can even imagine if I was guessing. So kudos to you, Thank you know, for, for walking. That's a big step, dude. I mean, you, you're in uncharted water. You're taking, on, you're taking on, you know, you're taking on the fifth biggest, you know, money laundering deal. There's some people that aren't going to like what you have to say. I guarantee it. But it uh, needs to be yeah, said. that's funny you say that. Yes. There are yeah, people but you don't know, like... Uh, don't like change. You know, it's working no. for some right now and it's not working for the consumer. It's not working for us. So, well, it's not working for the planet. Up. Let's, 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 you oh. know, it's not working for the food. It's not working for the planet. We've got to start to recognize that, you know, we've got to be harder on, we've got to be harder on ourselves about what we're doing in some of these instances. And we've got to make some tough choices. We can't press the easy button all the time. It's kicking our ass. You know, it really is. So what's next? Let's, you know, what's next for you guys? What's on the horizon besides, you know, me starting to eat this honeycomb here and Going to get my, you know, the next, uh, we're launching with Melissa's and indie fruit company. So it's, we're getting retailer it. commitments and we're launching into produce sets. We're avoiding grocery. Like I'm not going to list in grocery. So it just, it doesn't make sense for us. Um, not with the purpose that we discussed and not with the commodity that we are. So that's been, there's a lot of back and forth. We kind of get railroaded into, Oh, the, I don't buy honey. Well, we're not honey or honeycomb. And really right. delineating between that and the processed fraudulent one that's center store. So my focus is launching retail accounts. So if there's produce buyers or even you know deli charcuterie, we'll go through there because that's yeah. where the customer is aware of it. Um, and then a vertical integration. You know, we we have beekeepers in the Yucatan down in Mexico that we are going to start investing in, re-educating them, and building facilities for. And I really want to bring that stability to their income stream or their income. I love it. Dude, this, this is sick, dude. It's just sick. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's just unbelievably good. I mean, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's unlike Is it anything. absurdly good? I was getting, God bless my chops. I was just getting <laughs> ready to say that. You just totally ruined it for me. 
It yeah, is our tagline. I, <laughs> I was working it in. No, it's delicious. I'm telling you, this stuff is fantastic. It's going to blow people away because I don't think they've ever had anything like this. I think it's going to be really that, surprising to folks. That that tagline, it's absurdly good, mm-hmm. came from a comment we made in an operations meeting. And it's because I said, we have to go to these absurd links because honey is so fraudulent. Like We shouldn't have to do this to find clean honeycomb in the United States. But yet here we are. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's absurdly good. And it's like, well, that's absurdly good because back to banana, we don't have a demographic. We can't say, look, athlete, it's good for your muscles before workout. It just, that's too pigeonholed for us. We are a broad audience commodity. Yeah. So it's absurdly good. It's absurdly good for the bees. It's absurdly good for the beekeepers. It's absurdly good for the environment. It's absurdly good for workouts. It's absurdly good for charcuterie. It starts to give us that latitude to speak to broad audience and uses. And it just, and it is, it's absurdly good. It's off the charts good. And that's what real it. honey should have been. We shouldn't have to be here, but we are. So, yeah, well, you know what? And thank God we are. Thank God we have you leading the charge and, and having this conversation and bringing it to the people and make them understand that this is a valuable conversation. You're going to help bring it to the people through your well, produce audience. Well, we're going to do that. We're going to do more than that, man. We get this, <laughs> this thing gets listened to in about 43 countries. So we're going to make sure the world Love gets it. a chance to hear it. You know, but and, and the fact you're working with Melissa and Peter and his kids down there in LA and you got Daniel and Andy Fruit guys in uh, Indianapolis. Yep. I mean, you've got two great partners out there that get it. You got um, guys that uh, have a great perspective and a long tenure of understanding what this business 100%. is, and they see the. And I guarantee you, they, I guarantee you, they both ate this one. Holy shit, that was an epiphany moment to two of them. If I was guessing, <laughs> if I was I guessing, like the no, sh- the no shrink and the penny profit isn't bad either. Yeah, yeah. Well, I get that part of it too, but there's something to be said about you know. If people aren't, you know, if it's not any good, it doesn't matter how much money you make because nobody's going to buy it. This is right. This is going to be something people are going to come back to your point. 60% of people are coming back. And, you know, I bet that number continues. I bet that number doesn't waver. If not, it's probably going to increase. Um, pretty stable for four years going. It's been pretty. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, I mean, except I'm just sitting here. This stuff is just nuts, man. I love it. I love it. I've, you know, this is, this is, this is one of my, you know, newest favorite items of 2022 to say the least. I mean, I'm so enlightened by what you're doing. I'm encouraged by what you're doing. I'm proud of what you're doing. And I love the purpose behind it. And I love the passion that you have and the way you speak about it in such a, an open-minded mannerism. It's refreshing, dude. I really appreciate you being here today and hanging out with me. I really do. Well, thank you for giving us the opportunity. It's, yeah, it's, it's totally, a big story to tell. It's a hell of a big story to tell. And hopefully we got people, you know, revved up a little bit. And again, go look in your cupboard and ask a question. Open invitation to come back. We want a progress report. We want, I want to know what's going on with, oh, yeah. with the, you know, the honeycomb initiative. I want to know how things are going. Let's get it up on the board. Let's let's make sure that people are uh, up to date. And again, get involved. Go to the website. Sign up. Be a part of these working groups. Listen, learn, share that information through your social channels. Get people involved. Give this stuff a shout. Give me a call. I'll come over and have it with you. I dig this stuff. <laughs> I love it, Todd. Cool. Douglas, I appreciate you very much. Thanks for being here and hanging out with us. I really do appreciate Vice it. Person. And Thank keep, you. Kick, keep kicking ass, buddy. Don't let anybody take, don't, any, you know, when the mob comes after you, give me a call. I know people too. So <laughs> hope it doesn't. <laughs> it, is, it is a possibility, but yeah, let's hope it doesn't. <laughs> I love it. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of this conversation today. Thank you for thinking this through a little bit. I hope we challenged you. That's what this broadcast is all about. It's about uplifting ideas and the brands and the people that are behind them. And throwing stuff out there that needs these conversations. And I'm telling you, this conversation is so damn important. So please get online, be supportive, check it out. Tell your retailers you want to carry it. Reach out on every avenue. Get in the produce departments. Let's get this stuff rolling. Let's show these kids how good this stuff is. And let's change this country for the better. 
So on behalf of everybody here, you know, don't forget, check us out on social media. That's where the cool kids are. That's where we hang out. Uh, we'll see you on Todd Versations, Todd Bitch, YouTube, wherever the hell we live. We're there. And uh, come share your story with us. Just like, just like Douglas did. This is a big story to share, and I'm glad we got the opportunity to do it. So take care of each other, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.